Future, Future Friday. Friday. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Future Friday with Hamish Hallett and John Beasy. For this week, we are speaking about clothes or the fashion industry. Uh, this is a pretty important uh, sector in terms of the you know, business side of everything. You know, we wear clothes pretty much all the time, obviously. <laughs> and uh, but yeah, no, I think clothes have really kind of changed over the last couple of years, uh, especially if you look into what's like environmentalism. You've also got technology now encompassing clothes and also gender norms changing. So for this week's episode, we're definitely going to speak about those big three factors that we have seen um, over um, with the clothes industry kind of changing. So yeah, so what, uh, so what kind of changes have, are we seeing, John, in terms of the fashion industry um, from like what I've mentioned very much? Yeah, well, there's lots of um, changes going on. Clothing is a reflection of culture and culture is changing. So we can see lots of different changes in, you know, the manner people are dressing, you know, athleisure is um, a bigger, a bigger thing. People kind of wearing the same thing, you know, inside, outside, formal, informal mm. changes in that regard. You have changes in the kinds of materials we're using and changing the way we think about um, the impact of our clothing, how we make our clothing, the kinds of materials we use and um, what do we do with older clothes. And of course, as you said, there's um, uh, the infusion of technology. So you have uh, the coming emergence of um, smart clothes. Mm. So a few years ago, Google had their Project Jackard. You know, have all sorts of different, you know, touch-sensitive clothing and have all sorts of different sensors. So um, yeah, you can have all sorts of uh, different interesting ways that are, you know, imagine your jacket has Bluetooth and it can connect to your phone. Mm, pretty much yeah no smart clothes are a very kind of interesting concept because they're definitely on the rise i would say um or even sometimes maybe may even kind of establishing so yeah the fact that clothes have been enhanced with technology that's what you kind of defined by smart clothes you know you've mentioned uh, what google did but also there's this kind of idea called smart socks which a company called sensoria i believe it's called create this smart sock, which can um, basically detect which part of your feet is receiving the most pressure during your run. And then this then sends data to, to a smartphone app. And it's gonna kind of help runners improve their form over time. So you can look into, okay, which part of my, which part of like, so what, what, which part of my foot am I receiving the most pressure? And in that sense, I can then try and adapt my form because every single year, 65% of runners actually get injured, which is a crazy stuff which I find that out. Um, and the fact that these kind of socks and technology can like help change runners' forms, I think is very, very interesting um, and actually prove better well-being through technology, through clothing, which is very kind of quite an interesting idea to see. Um, and also the fact that you've got also, yeah, because what you mentioned in terms of the sustainability. So I know a company called, things like buyers at stores like Barnes and Sachs in the USA, um, and then a company called Printemps in France as well. They're actually trying to, to nearly double their total spending on sustainable products as well in the next five years. So from 23% to 40%. So again, it shows that brands are going towards environmental sustainability as well, which is interesting through their kind of clothes. Definitely. Yeah, I mean, there's all sorts of, um, I mean, cotton is quite um, intensive. 
get it. Um, there's also the fact that lots of synthetic fibers are created from oils. Yeah. So you have to either find different ways of recycling those materials or to reuse them or to, you know, find more um, sustainable usage or sustainable um, sourcing of materials. But there are lots of like, um, there's new different way, uh, a new kind of plastic that's actually uh, capable of being properly recycled. A lot of plastic is very, very difficult to recycle and requires, um, you know, exorbitant levels of heat. Yep. But this, um, this plastic can very easily be melted down and then reshaped. So, you know, creating fibers out of that kind of plastic could be much, could be much better, especially if you could just, um, you know, have a much, um, a less guilt, um, a more guilt-free um, fashion experience. You don't have to feel as bad about, um, you know, buying a new, a new blazer for this wedding if you don't, um, if you're only going to wear it the one time. Yeah. No, or even um, biological sourcing of different materials, you know, different, um, you know, different clothings made from uh, bacteria and other kind of uh, biological fibers. Those oh, could be um, other ways of creating clothing as well. Mm. So it's, yeah, it's pretty much expanding the way clothes are kind of made, not through the traditional sense of like cotton and um, denim, all that kind of sense, it seems. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't have to be, we don't have to be restricted to... Um, traditional materials, wool, cotton, or um, anything else we use, but we also mm. don't have to be limited to the more, um, I guess at this point, traditional uh, synthetic fibers, because all those emerged in the, in the 50s and 60s. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And it seems like, yeah, we are going, I think also companies that used to contribute a lot to this mass environmental issue of the geese of clothes, so for this idea of like fast fashion, so I know a lot of companies try and create and produce clothes which are very cheap um, and then they set it for quite a cheap price, but then, then people use this clothing for once and then they kind of throw it out and that causes a lot of mass waste because of it. Um, I think according to the Ellen McCarthy Foundation, 500 billion is lost every year in clothing under use and waste costs and 80% of all fashion made goes to landfill. And that's so much waste in that sense. So it's the fact that, you know, even now companies are now trying to drive towards more sustainability. But also what you mentioned, the way we produce clothes is changing into in terms of like bio clothes, um, use of yeah, materials like for bacteria, which is very interesting to see. And that kind of allows, yeah, a much more of a holistic view of how clothes are made rather than quite a narrowed perspective. Um, Definitely, 100%. Yeah, well, allowing, um, making, making clothing or reducing environmental impacts of clothing and its waste um, is an easy way to fix a lot of the issues of fast fashion. Mm. But it's, it all does, yeah, it doesn't really get to the core issue of the fact that fast fashion is predicated on fashion moving quickly. I mean, H&M has like, I think, 52 micro seasons a year. That's yeah. basically one every week. Yeah, so I as well. instead of it being, you know, what are we going to wear this spring? It's like, okay, what are we going to wear the first week of April? What are we going to wear the yeah. second week of May? Oh, mm. that's, you can't wear that hat. That's so third week of March. Like, come on. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. And um, I also was watching an episode of um, Patriots Act. Patriots Act. 
And yeah, he was talking about, uh, the host was talking about fast, uh, fast fashion as well and how bad it was. Yeah, it's crazy um, how some people can actually, yeah, like literally use clothes for like one week and then throw out the next. And it's, it creates this. And also I feel like you look at Instagram and the, influence, the influencer culture as well, that also adds on top of that. So that, that influencer have to show off new clothes all the time. And that then creates, that also adds on to, the, to this issue, which is not good, um, 100%. And then yeah, well, that's a common. Um, that's a very bourgeois um, way of looking at things. You know, have you ever seen The Crown or just how celebrities look? It's always whenever they make a public appearance, it's like, oh, who are they wearing? What are they like? Who are they wearing today? And it's always has to be something new. The Queen can't wear the same jacket twice. Yeah, sure. Or yeah. you can't wear the same dress. Yeah, I and know. That yeah. cultural aspect of, um, you know, the cultural expectation of women, you know, men can wear the same suit, you know, all the time, but women, you know, God save them if, they're wear, if they dare to wear the same <laughs> blouse twice. Yeah, no, exactly. No, it's definitely true. I know um, a male actor who was playing the Joker, I think, was saying, I can't remember what award, award ceremony it was, but he came out and said, yeah, I'm going to wear this blazer. Um, only one blazer to this, the same blazer to it at all my water ceremonies. It's like, well, yeah, obviously that's really easy for you to do. Like it's, like it is really easy. Like, I'm sorry, but like you can literally wear the same type of clothes all the time. But I, what, what you said is absolutely true. It's just for some reason, it's cultural idea that you have to wear something completely new all the time. If you wear the same thing, it, you'd look down upon, which is odd, um, very, very odd. But um, I also actually want to mention something which is really cool. Um, moving away from the environmental conversation of clothing, again, towards more like smart clothing, I found these kind of, this idea of like smart shoes where Pizza Hut can, I'll try and test this out, um, where they can order pizza from the shoe, which is pretty cool. Um, I don't know if you've seen, seen this news but also, or if you've kind of found something relevant to this as well or similar to ordering uh, ordering food or ordering items from a pair of clothes i haven't heard of that in particular but i'm hardly surprised mm. no it could definitely be um i don't know if you wear some kind of identifiable piece of clothing that might have um you know some kind of chips on them you know it could be you know you walk into starbucks and they automatically know to put in your favorite order yeah or potentially even no, they detect you walking in the direction of Starbucks and they figure you're going to go there. So they prep your order. Kids mm -hmm. tend to walk to Starbucks at, I don't know, 9.47 in the morning. Yeah, no, that's true. That's just or true. imagine, um, I don't know, you have a toque that has um, speakers built in and now you can listen to, um, to music just by, you know, wearing your hat or putting yeah, your hood. There's all true. sorts of uh, cool mm -hmm. things you can do with it. Or imagine you're, you, you have gloves and then it's have... Um, um, I don't know, Bluetooth chips in them and they can figure out, um, you, you can hook the pair of them with your phone and you can find them if you lose them. You can actually find out where your lost gloves are. Yeah. Why, how come we've gone towards um, putting technology on, onto our clothes? Like, why are we wanting to do this? I don't know. Do you know the know, reason for it? I like magic. Don't you want to do cool stuff with your clothes? Oh, yeah, true. True, true, true. Um, at the same time, I'm kind of like, I don't know, just why? <laughs> I 
I, I, I don't know, just like, why would, yeah, I, I know what you mean, like maybe, because I know there's um, clothes which, which can keep you warm, um, which I think is pretty cool. Um, but I know what you mean, it's just, I don't know, obviously it's the magical, but the magic side to or it. Imagine I, you had a shirt that could yeah. um, change colors or, you know, change the pattern on your shirt. You know, there's all sorts of different Mm, yeah, that's there's true. all sorts of different things that people can do that you know you'd want yeah. for whatever reason, either for personal expression or for practical reasons, or yeah, you know, so or just you know, just be really cool. Like, hey, I don't want to have to like take my phone out of my pocket. I can just you know tap my it. my yeah. left cuff, and boom, now um the next song is playing. I don't have to take it out to do it myself. Mm. It also seems like it's innovation as well with it. It seems very kind of in, into in. Yeah, innovation in that sense through that. No, it's very interesting. But then what are the challenges then to smart clothes? Because I feel like, I feel from what I've been kind of reading though, I think most of these uh, clothes which have these technologies can be quite expensive. Is that, do you agree with that? I mean, yeah, they have to come down in price. It's still, um, you know, they still have to make the technology cheaper and um cheaper and more accessible and mm. of course you know there's also the in, even if we're, if we're talking about the environmental impacts of clothing well you could you know smart clothing is going to requires more resources than yeah. you know a traditional clothing you need you know those chips those whatever kind of conductors they might have you might have a, a certain number of rare metals involved in them so um yeah it's just because the fabric might be nice and um you know cleanly sourced doesn't mean that all the metals were as well yeah so it's kind of like counterproductive then as well if we if you think about it it's like if we're wanting to be more environmental and use yeah what you mentioned like the type of cloth which is i don't know made out of spider silk i don't know like something like that um and then you have these technologies which are built into it which produce more energy but in an environment in an in environmental sense then it's not it's very counterproductive 100 percent um and that's what, yeah, we have to be very careful of because we don't want to produce, even though we want to produce clothes which are environmentally good for us and we will all claim it's better for the environment, we don't want to, we don't want it to be counterproductive, you know? And yeah, that's, yeah. that's well, what yeah. Smart clothes isn't, um, uh, at least at this point, it's still fairly a niche thing. Mm. Google announced their, their project Jackard, you know, what, nearly nearly a decade ago, probably I think in her, like 2011, 2012. That's that's old news. Yeah. Um, but you don't really like how many people have you met that have um, you know smart clothes? It's not. It's yeah, not it's there not yet. A huge thing. Yeah. It'll probably you know it'll pick up, but um, also no one's really touting um, smart clothes as you know the environmental fix. But yeah, we do have to be. Um, there's always that consideration whenever you're making anything smart, is. You know those those chips don't um, those chips don't mind themselves. Mm, absolutely, yeah, hundred percent. And um, what kind of other challenges do you think there are with smart clothes? If if you if you know any other challenges, other than cost and um, their materials, um, or the look. I mean, the looks are pretty. I mean, it's not going to be like those you know, how people in the past would have imagined the, the future or the present day with those, yeah. you know, those large shoulders or whatever. I mean, you can if you want, but yeah, mm -hmm. these you know, smart clothes look like regular clothes. That's bad enough. Yeah. 
And then we kind of slightly mentioned this question, but we'll still mention maybe going towards a little bit more to the cultural side. But how has the fashion has the fashion industry kind of adapted to the cultural environmental change? Like has clothes, you know, maybe ten years ago it wasn't very environmentally good. Uh, clothes the clothes industry might not have been very good environmentally, or as gender or like how as cultural norms have changed, maybe the fashion industry hasn't adapted to it. But now, would you say it has adapted to environmental and cultural changes? I'd say it's adapting. Yeah. Whether it's doing that well is a, another question entirely. Mm. Like, um, you know, every company, it's big now to say you're green and you're sustainable and whatever, but a lot of that, it's greenwashing just to say. You're, you know, say you get your, you're certified or you can put a green le- sticker on your clothes and maybe charge a premium and boom, now you can feel good about your purchase. But yeah. um, it ha- if it doesn't really at the core change the issue with, you know, H&M hasn't produced, like H&M is moving towards making more sustainable clothing and recycling more. But that doesn't, you know, get rid of the fact that their entire business model is predicated on 52 micro seasons a year. Mm. Like if their if their model is is essentially predicated on getting out, making as much clothes and selling it as much as possible, without really consideration for the quality and duration of the clothing, because the idea is that well, you you know, you'll wear it three times, and you'll buy a new thing. Yeah, and you know, they're yeah, they're making strides towards it, but it's not really. Um, it's it's not you know it's it's superficial more than anything else yeah it seems to be like performative activism kind of idea it's like yes we're showing that we we care and we're trying to say that we are doing something but then maybe behind the scenes it's still having those same values same values and same ideas of producing fashion very quickly for the next consumers in the next couple of days kind of thing it's like it's like showing it's like trying to show but not real kind of action it seems yeah well that's how a lot of that's how a lot of companies work it's pretty much yeah. you'll, they'll they'll say th- they'll say what the public wants them to hear mm, they'll say absolutely. what the public wants them to say they'll say that because you know it doesn't look because it doesn't look good you know all the kind like all the companies like does like i saw i went on h&m.com the other day and they, you know they said black lives matter that's great yeah. i you know they, black lives do matter but does h&m really care mm. i don't know i don't that. think yeah. they really care that's the thing is all, when you have all these companies partake and you just say yeah we care about equality and we want to stop racism and we know yeah. we care about all these things like okay great maybe you should stop participating maybe you shouldn't be you know exploiting people in the third world or you know engage in an economic system that's you know inherently predicated on racism and hierarchy mm. yeah no, that is true because that's, i was actually about to mention that because yeah no I, I, i've been seeing a lot of companies even though Yes, they're trying to, I don't know, it's a really difficult one because it's like if they don't say anything, then they look bad. But as soon as they say something, say something about saying, you know, Black Lives Matter, people are going to be like, well, hold on, you're just doing it for a, um, I don't know, like an advertisement um, view or like you're trying, you're trying to jump on the, gap, the, the, um, the bandwagon kind of thing. It's very difficult, but I know where, where you're coming from. It's like if you actually cared about um, black lives, which they, which black lives should matter, 
yeah, why are you exploiting people in the third world? It's like, you know, uh, I think it's L'Oreal Paris. Mm-hmm. It's like she then, I think they sacked um, a transgender model because I think she spoke out about, I think it was like white violence, I think it was. I can't remember her exact saying or exact statement. But she said a statement basically saying about white violence, I think it was. Um, and then she got fired and sacked, or she got sacked by L'Oreal Paris. And then a few years later, when all this is happening with Black Lives Matter, she, de- uh, she then gets put on. L'Oreal Paris comes out saying, yeah, um, we need to talk about Black Lives Matter. And then she then goes on a massive Twitter uh, feud with L'Oreal Paris. But, well, hold on, you sacked me f- three years before. Like, you know, it's all that kind of thing. So it's really interesting to see that. Um, yeah, no, 100%. I, I agree in the sense that it's difficult when companies, yes, want to show solidarity to a movement. But unfortunately, some of these brands, I think, are behind some of the issues that we want to try and combat. You know, things like, for example, I was talking about prison labor last, last uh, week. Um, they're part, some of these brands are part of that issue. And yeah, it's very difficult. We can went on a bit of a tangent, but that's all good. But yeah, what about we go, I feel like we haven't really mentioned about the cultural changes to clothes. Do you want to mention about that a bit more? Yeah, well, you know, culture is um, always changing and there's um, greater shifts now in clothing, or like, I shouldn't say greater shifts, but there's beginnings to shift towards um, greater new- gender neutrality in clothing. Mm, definitely. Either, you know, different, um, different designers making clothing, um, either explicitly designing clothing to be gender neutral or, sim- or making um, traditionally gendered clothes and not designating it um, as, a, as a particular gender. Mm. You know, either making gender neutral blouses or in clothes or in other clothes or to like say make a uh, make a dress and just simply to say person's dress. It's a per- it's a dress anyone can wear it. You know, you don't it doesn't have to be in the girls' aisle. Yeah, and maybe it's not pink. Mm, absolutely. Yeah, I think we are seeing definitely that a lot more. Um, I know H and M, for example, in this was a article published by the Independent by Olivia uh, Peter. Is, is gender neutral clothing in the future of fashion, which I believe it is. Maybe, John, you agree with this. Um, H&M launched a unisex denim line um, and also Jen Lewis, uh, John Lewis abolished girls and boys labels on children's clothes, um, which was, yeah, going back off your point, yeah, it shows that anyone can wear these clothes. It doesn't matter. Does, you know, clothes, you know, the, the traditional colours of, you know, pink and blue are all gone now. It's, you know, gender neutral um, ideas and also i would another thing i want to note out as well is plus size is becoming a big thing as well which is good so it's the fact that fashion isn't just for the you know the slim um you know like it, i think it's, it's trying to incorporate um all, all body types which i think is good so the fact that fashion isn't just catered towards one body type is actually catered to all which is good as well so that shows that change that change of culture as well which is good yeah, there is the greater shift towards uh, body acceptance, body positivity, uh, you know, beauty at all sizes. There are, there are movements towards that, but at this point, it's, these are still just movements, beginnings. You know, mm-hmm. you go to most stores, it's still boys, girls. You still go and it's still largely, um, you know, you, you won't, you'll, you'll see greater plus size, but 
not like a lot of plus size or um, the best representation you could find. Yeah, I know what you mean. I, I actually agree with that. I think I do feel when I go into like clothes stores, I know what you mean. I find that, yeah, it's like you have loads of options for, you know, um, you know, for like slim people. Um, but then you have other like body types. It's not as well catered for. I think isn't great. I think it's obviously the options there, which is good, but I don't feel like it's um, catered to everyone. I'm trying to be very careful with my language because I don't want to be like too bad about it. But like, yeah, it's like, I think it's good that we are trying to cater to all sizes. But I think, yeah, I think if, and as long as there needs to be, I think, yeah, there definitely needs to be more representation in that sense, which is. Yeah, I mean, it's a lot, I mean, we kind of have these older, you know, standardized sizes, small, medium, large, and, you know, kind of the same kind of proportions for everyone. You just change the size, but it's not really um, great for, um, you know, for everyone's body sizes, especially if you say, take, for example, um, you know, a man, you know, two men might need, both need to wear a large ones might be, one might be fairly fit and one might be, you know, fairly fat. And um, the shirt might not fit as well in the fit one because it's meant for, um, you know, it kind of goes straight all the way down rather yeah. than being um, closer around the waist, expecting for a larger waist rather than um, catering to, you know, the person's individual size. You know, that but is true. Yeah. That can be, um, you know, that can be changing as well if you have... Um, you know, uh, like all these different materials, like I mentioned, like synthetic plastics are all, um, well, plastic is something that can be 3D printed. If we can, you know, make bespoke um, 3D printed clothing mm. and then say, um, create models based, you know, 3D models of one person, uh, say you take a, use your phone to take a 3D model of yourself and boom, now you can have um, bespoke clothing that's designed right for your body. Yeah, no, that's the thing. I actually think that'd be really good because, yeah, I think a lot of people struggle to find the perfect fit for certain clothes because I sometimes wear clothes and, yeah, my upper body is usually quite is, is big or quite broad. And, yeah, I agree. I feel like some certain clothes clothing is a bit too tight on me. And then my legs, is like trying to buy the perfect jeans, the perfect trousers. It's like sometimes my waist is quite, um, quite thin. And mm. trying to find, yeah, trying to find the perfect kind of fit for me is very difficult as well because sometimes um, the length of my jeans or the length of my trousers go a bit over, over my foot rather than like fit very nicely over the ankle or something. You know, it's, it's very like, I think that is a bit of an issue. But the fact that you've mentioned that with 3D, uh, 3D printing, it can help 100% with helping to kind of, yeah, get a better fit for everyone. In terms of the clothing, which I think could be interesting. 100%. Yeah. It's actually funny that um, I guess the standard clothes for men are generally for, I guess, designed in mind for uh, a larger man, maybe not uh, a larger and rounder man, while the clothing for women tend to be designed for, um, you know, smaller and slimmer. Yeah, no, exactly. So we don't, but everyone yeah. needs clothes that fits them and their body for, mm -hmm. you know, for their for the body that they have not the body that the the industry wants them to have oh absolutely definitely i feel like yeah 100 and i think there's a lot of challenges that 
the fashion industry kind of needs to um, tackle. Uh, what kind of yeah, like what kind of other like big ideas does the fashion industry actually need to work on still? Because we've mentioned yes, that fashion industry is all is going towards you know gender neutral clothes if that's becoming better environmentally, but also technology comes in. What other work needs to be done for the fashion industry to become better? I think okay, better is a bit of a uh, debatable word, but like, yeah, well, how does the fashion industry actually become, you know, more inclusive? Let's just say that. Um, well, that's, that's a hard question, but it's... Sorry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. Change how we make clothes. Maybe don't make clothes for profit. Yeah. That's fair I mean, enough, yeah. as long as you do that, you're you're not you're producing for production's sake, not for you know people's sake. Mm. You know, you should make clothes for people that people will wear, and yeah. maybe make good quality clothing that people can wear, rather than wear um, create something um, disposable. Yeah, so maybe just I mean, it's going to be cool. disposable. Yeah. Then at least make it um, guilt free. Yeah, of course. So just making it way more ethical. And a bit a lot a lot more less for profit but more towards the ethics kind of thing but at the same time it's difficult for clothes and difficult so difficult for the fashion industry to change that mindset of going away from profit and going a bit more for care i think that's be quite difficult but at the same time yeah maybe if if the um, customer sort of attitudes change towards i actually want to buy clothes which is going to be better for the environment or I want clothes which are, yeah, you know, accept better like gender norms or cultural norms, then that's what, that's when you know the fashion industry will change maybe for the better if customer ideas and relations change. I think. Yeah, I mean, they they always have to respond to the demand, but um, yeah, at a certain point, um, you can't just you know wait for the companies to change if the company has if you know, fundamentally structured to operate in a certain way, you can't expect them to reform themselves. Mm. So we kind of actually, the customers themselves then might have to push for change. Yeah, I mean, you'll find other ways to, you know, make clothes or buy clothes. You know, you don't have to, um, maybe you don't, maybe don't buy new clothes. Maybe you go to a secondhand store. Mm. No, you know, there's all sorts of different ways that we can, um, you know, make things better. And it's also about making, you know, things available to people. I mean, like right now, it's like, yeah, we do have um, alternatives to say like to me, you know, we have like beyond beef, but you know, that, that comes at a premium. You want to get that at A&W? Well, that's an extra dollar, you know, extra dollar or two on your burger. You want it? Well, it's an extra, you know, it's an extra dollar a kilo or something. Mm, You know, it's, and that's the thing is it's, 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 it lets richer people feel bad, feel better about their consumption, but without actually changing the fact that they're still consuming, consuming to that. Mm. and not making and using it as a marketing as a tool to sell things at a higher price, without their consideration of the fact that well, what we need is to make it available for everyone. Yeah, now that comes into with the whole price issue. But we talked about smart clothes. It's if it's so expensive right now, the the only rich will afford it. Um, and again, it's same same with like when people try and become more environmentalist. Um, it is again for 
unfortunately it's for yeah the middle or upper classes not for everyone and i think yeah definitely it needs to come to a point where everyone can be represented in that sense um yeah. I mean, about making the choices available to everyone i mean a lot of poor Americans have terrible diets simply because junk food's cheaper. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. I actually was about to mention, actually, um, you're on your point about um, people going towards, yeah, like, char- like charity shops or like or reusing clothes. You can go into things like you know, vintage shops, which is a big thing. And also right now with COVID-19, instead of just buying a mask from, you know, Amazon or buying a mask from some other place you could actually make your own mask pretty easily you can just get like literally like a tea towel or something and then snip with use of scissors and then you can make a mask out of that quite easily i know there's like a few tutorials out there then people go out and then buy these masks which then contributes to the issue so you can even make potentially your own clothes as well just yeah, you can make your own clothes or you know support local local mm-hmm. manufacturers local product, uh, producers of clothing you know, you can, you know, you can buy someone who makes masks here. You don't have to buy one that was mass produced in a factory and um, wherever, or yeah. clothes from um, Bangladesh. Yeah, absolutely. That's the thing. It's um, it's very uh, yeah. No, exactly. I think definitely look going towards local and trying to contribute less to the environment. Hundred percent. And then, sort of like lastly, um, what do you think? will be the future of the fashion industry or clothes industry? Uh, it'll be new and weird. Clothes. Yeah, I mean, people are, I mean, I think we'll see new materials, new, you know, clothes will do new and smart things and, um, you know, changes in fashion. Mm-hmm. People are becoming, um, you know, more and more casual over the last um, few decades. You know, before it was, um, you know, a hundred years ago, you know, English aristocrats were expected to wear like what f- five different outfits a day. Oh, yeah. You had, your, you had your, your, your coat for lunch and you had your afternoon tea coat and then you have your dinner coat and then you have your drinking coat and you have your, yeah, this, you know, we went from that and now it's like, okay, Mark Zuckerberg wears a hoodie. Yeah. We might not even wear clothes in the future. Sorry? We might not even wear clothes in the future. We might not, yeah, we might not need clothes. It's going to well. be an easy possibility. Um, if we have, say, um, if everyone's wearing you know, AR smart glasses, do you really need to wear um, clothes? Or you yeah. can just wear a, jump, you can wear a jumpsuit because if everyone's wearing you know, the same glasses, then anything visual or distinctive you want to present on yourself can simply be created a, um, digitally and mm-hmm. exist through those lenses absolutely yeah 100 no, that's yeah i think that's a could be a definite reality it's a bit be a very weird reality to think of but a reality that could happen in god knows how long you know at, at the pace of our world which is going the pace that this world is going at you never know you never know how um quickly those changes will come definitely um, yeah, it's been a really good conversation actually about the fashion industry. Um, we'll just push on to our kind of weak signals then. Um, I will actually, do you want to go first for your weak signal? Let's change it. Sure. Yeah, you can go first for your weak signal. All right. Well, I got um, something about these um, 
vibrating micro bristle robots. So um, universe, uh, researchers at uh, Georgia Tech University have uh, created these tiny 3D printed robots that move by uh, vibrating. So these uh, micro bristle robots are made of a piezoelectric uh, actuator glued onto a polymer body. And they have a volume of about a little under three millimeters squared. And um, so they're too, fall, they're, they're too small for mounted batteries. So they actually um, use external power to generate um, vibration. So they have like these little um, springy bristle-like legs and their geometry and angle of them dictate how they move and uh, different shapes respond to different vibrations. So you could have um, a surface where the vibration, um, a surface upon which the, the robot's on and you can, um, you know, vibrate from, you know, moving the, the surface itself or even, um, through ultrasound or, son or sonic um, waves are enough to cause it to, to move. So like sound waves can cause these um, little things to move. Mm. And um, they can even make and hold um, electric charge by um, changing the physical vibrations or the physical energy into electric energy or, or vice versa. And they can be steered by joining different robots together and then manipulating the frequency. They've even tested with controlling them with um, magnetic fields. Um, and they're useful for controlling swarms, but maybe not so much um, a controlling individual robots within the swarm. Okay. Yeah. So um, there have a lot of potential uh, uh, applications. Um, some speculate you can even put them inside the human body and it can be used to help uh, fight disease or aid in the healing process. Um, and if you could, um, you know, if you can control swarms of these, they could be useful tools for, uh, moving things or potentially breaking down larger structures. You imagine if you had like, so imagine if you had like a legion of ants, that could just carry things around and all you needed to do to make them move was, I don't know, have a dog whistle or something. Mm, no, definitely. It sounds um, very cool. Yeah. They also, since they can use, um, kinetic energy, they could, um, you know, power different kinds of sensors or charge batteries. Um, and they can even, you know, if they can respond to different sounds, they could respond to music and be used for um, novel arts installations. Yeah. Or, um, you know, they can uh, even be used to recapture the kinetic energy released by other objects. So, um, you know, imagine if you took, you know, attach these to say the speakers at a concert and then use the, the vibrations of the speakers to, I don't know, help power the lights or yeah. capture the, the vibrations of a car motor to help power the, uh, the headlights and radio. So yeah, it can definitely be used in different ways then. Like it's really quite a cool sweet signal because these kind of, um, sorry, it's, it's bugs, isn't it? Sorry, I can't, yeah, bugs, right? Yeah, well, they're not, not really... Not bugs, but, like... Um, just think of a tiny little square with these little bristles. Okay, sure. But, yeah, these, like, little square things, let's just say that, um, seem to be used in a variety of different ways, which is, it sounds really good. 
Um, and that's why it's such a good week signal because it seems like it can impact a variety of different industries, not just one, which is quite clever, it seems. Yeah, I have a, uh, they have diverse and various applications. Mm, 100%. No, it sounds very, very cool. It sounds very, very interesting. Um, yeah, so I've actually got my week signal, which is, sounds really cool as well, actually. It's by, it was published by Boston University. And it's, a, it's an eye scanner that can reveal your biological age. So this is an eye scanner that is able to detect and track biological aging. So people normally age at different rates, um, but some go very quickly, but some go slower than others. However, there's no real like measurement of biological aging. Um, however, in this study, researchers found this eye scanner as able to measure the spectroscopic signals from protein in lens of the eye and track biological, biological aging in living humans. So the lens from the eyes pick up age-related changes and are kind of able to measure um, able to kind of like measure the, uh, the like the proteins in the lens of the eyes, I believe, and they can track how a person is again is like sort of aging at the molecule level. Um, so this is very similar to kind of um, to like other clinical biomarkers such as PET brain imaging for Alzheimer's disease, bone densimetry for astroporosis. Can't say that. Um, and serum blood tests for diabetes uh, meniscus. So it's pretty much an eye scanner that can literally look into this eye, check the protein, and see how how it's like going quickly in terms of biological aging. So it's a really cool weak signal, um, and it definitely can like help track and see yeah, how fast a person's aging, if it's slow or fast. So yeah, what do you think, John, about this weak signal? <clears throat> yeah, that's definitely interesting. It can be. Um... It'll be interesting how accurate it can be used, and um, you know how um, how a metric like that could be useful. Mm. Imagine if you could tell, um, you know, because once you can basically tell the rate at which you're aging, you can tell the different kinds of factors that might be contributing to your aging. Like imagine, yeah, you know, it's like imagine you you imagine someone who's um, I don't know. They had a. They've had a really stressful year, and this, you know, either they just 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 really wound up, not really good for the, you know their their physical or mental health, and you know they look like they might have aged a lot, or someone who's um, you know, um, smoking a lot, and you know they look like they've um they've aged. You know, sometimes people, you know, you smoke throughout your twenties, and you look like you've you're forty by the time you're thirty. Yeah. You know, now it's able to not just tell whether you know. I can just not tell whether you just look that way. I mean, I can tell like, no, actually you're physically aging yourself faster. You can tell whether you're, what kind of things are having a, a more direct impact on your health. Yeah. No, hundred percent. I think um, this is a really cool, yeah. I scan that can get hundred percent look into, yeah. How fast someone's aging. Um, I was looking into the research. I don't know if it was telling like what the reasons are for why a person X was aging for something like, how quickly or not though. Um, so like what you mentioned about saying, oh, what if the person was like smoking or the person had a stressful year, you can then look into it and say, okay, you're, let's say one year. Yeah, if someone was very stressful, you could see like a change in someone's aging. You know, it can then predict that. But obviously it doesn't tell you what the exact reason for why the person's Yeah, it's aged. not going to say what the yeah. cause of the aging is, but you can see that 
you know, yes. yeah. um, the you picked up, like your, your, your age, right. Your, you started aging more quickly at this time. And at this time there's um these other factors that weren't there before. So, you know, let's test and see what goes on. Mm, absolutely. No, but it does allow you to see, you know, Hey, you've, um, Oh, or like, or you can see like, you know, whatever kind of changes you're making, like, okay, you, you're making lifestyle changes. You can tell like, oh yeah, you're not as aging as quickly. Keep up what you're doing. You, mm. might, not, you might not know exactly what you're doing. You might be trying a number of things, but it's, it's good to know that um, you are making progress. Yeah, Even absolutely. if you might not be seeing it yourself. <clears throat> yeah, 100%. And it seems to be, yeah, it seems to be a very cool uh, thing to at least look into. Um, to see how fast people are aging or not pretty much. So yeah, no, definitely. That week's signal for me was really interesting to actually look into, 100%. Uh, do, you have, do you have anything else to add? Nope. No? All right, perfect. Cool. Uh, yeah, thank you, John, for coming in again uh, for this conversation um, on, well, talking about our week signals, but also talking about the fashion industry and what, they, what it might look like in the future. Uh, thank you guys for listening to this latest episode of Future Friday. Uh, you can look at our other episodes on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Uh, tune in next week for another episode. Uh, until then, have a good week. Thanks, guys. Bye.